Not too long ago, I ran into an acquaintance, and we started discussing Porsches. Without asking what I currently own, he went into a rant about what constitutes a, quote, real Porsche. He proceeded to impart his wisdom regarding the, as he called it, the other nines. In his words, the not-so-Porsche-like models included the 924, 928, 914, 944, and so on. I had to grin at the suggestion that those models were not Porsches, but rather some experiment gone wrong. After defending the other nines to this misguided dude, who by the way has never owned a Porsche in his life, I decided to do some research on how Porsche's lesser well-known other children came to be. There are countless fans and proud owners of the other Porsches that aren't the 911, and happily, we are all one big dysfunctional Porsche family. Welcome to Porsche never substituted. I'm your host, Will Veach, and today is part one of how Porsche broke from the past with a car that was slated to replace the 911. In our episode on mid-engine Porsches, we talked about the 914, but today we will dive into the creation of the gasp, front-engine, sometimes maligned Porsche 924. I want to first start out by saying a few words about collaborations. Porsche is known for a bunch of them, Collaboration with companies such as Toyota for manufacturing practices and design collaborations with the likes of Audi, Mercedes, Renault, Seat, and others. In fact, a big chunk of profit during the early years of the company was from their design department. But where people get hung up on is with the term pure Porsche. The cars that were often made in partnership with Audi and Volkswagen often fall into that misperceived notion that they are somehow less. But... Consider this. Porsche has always been at the forefront of innovation and technology in a lot of areas, and the company tried to innovate in the 70s with the 924. New technology from the car was a model for other editions of the 911 and beyond. The origins of the 924 are less than glamorous, with much of the need coming from the sales department for the engineers to produce a less costly Porsche. The 914 costs were making the car unprofitable for Porsche, so the decision was made to scrap what was referred to as a loss leader. The 924 started as a collaboration between VW, Audi, and Porsche with the assumption that parts would be shared with VW. The engine was essentially an Audi 100, which was one of the largest cars in the Volkswagen offerings. The ideas for the 924 had begun in 1970 and 1971 at the, oh boy, I'm going to try this, and I, frankly, it's going to be terrible. Vertrieb Gesellschaft, that's not too bad, which thankfully, hallelujah, was known as the VG. This was the joint venture between VW and Porsche that was producing sports cars using VW components, like the 914, and was selling those cars wholesale to the public. As sales of the 914 came in, the VG Group was in gleeful anticipation of the successor to that car. One of the biggest criticisms of the mid-engine 914 was the lack of storage space that one executive noted that, quote, there wasn't even room to put your coat somewhere, close quote. So, one of the new specifications was that the new car would need to have an interior space at least comparable to the 911. The other main point of criticism was the mid-engine design of the 914 and subsequent small-engine compartment space. The biggest issue, however, at least for the executives, was that while the goal was for the 914 to use a majority of parts from Volkswagen, the reality was 
that the mid-engine car really only used a handful of interchangeable parts with VW. Known as Project 425, the new model of Porsche was aimed at what Ernst Furman described as the new clients for the brand. He said, quote, Among them are young people who don't yet have a family and who can't afford a 911, or older drivers who no longer have to transport a large family and feel like owning a sports car but are not necessarily looking for the performance of a 911. With the 924, we are not being unfaithful to the traditional Porsche owners. We are only enlarging their circle. Close quote. Little did the public know that the 924 was to ultimately do away with the 911, and that plans were considered in late 1971 to phase out the legend. Can you imagine? Porsche would be an entirely different company had that course of action been allowed to happen. In 1971 and 1972, options were explored regarding the design of the 924 and VW parts were determined to be the cheapest solution along with front-wheel drive. The engineers, however, rejected that particular idea and opted for a rear-wheel drive car for a more sporty experience. The engine in the rear was also briefly explored, but moving the engine into the front would also allow for the planned larger eight-cylinder motor that would eventually find its home into the 928. Now, one thing to note here is that Porsche would also be introducing for the first time a liquid-cooled engine by incorporation of the Audi 100. Most of you have heard about Weissach, the fabled think tank that Porsche describes like this. From the first sketch to the finished prototype, vehicles have been developed, tested, and prepared for serious production in Weissach since 1971, with direct channels between the individual specialist departments. The Weissach Development Center covers all aspects from design and concept development model making and initial prototypes, testing of aerodynamics, acoustics and electronics, development of drive systems, steering and chassis systems, as well as safety analysis and testing. It has its own test track and is home of the Porsche Motorsport Department. Porsche combines traditional craftsmanship here with the latest cutting-edge technologies. 6,500 employees currently work at this location, with 80% of them involved in development. But did you know that the very first complete car developed at Weissach was the 924? The new engineering system provided everything necessary to develop the 924, and the developments there would lead to where we are today. Something that I learned while researching the 924 was a couple of new terms regarding project management that I had never heard before. Now, I've been a project manager for over 20-some-odd years, and this one was a new one for me. Using the new development system required a project director, which I, of course, knew, but it also required a project father. I'd never heard that one. The director was to oversee the development of the entire project, but the father was a member of the executive team that lent his proverbial weight to the team when they needed an advocate a little higher up in the food chain. The project director was Jochen Freund, and the father for the 924 was Paul Hensler who was the head of the experimental department, which we also talked about in the 964 episode. That leadership team would begin work in earnest in 1972 on the 425, better known as the 924. One of the first things that they would tackle is the Audi 100 engine that had been in production since 1965 and was in need of an update. Oddly enough, versions of that motor were destined for not only the 924, but also for the Volkswagen LT van, 
a newer edition of the Audi 100, the Concorde, the Spirit, and I hope you're sitting down, the American Motors Gremlin. But not to worry. The engine that was dubbed the EA831 was to receive an overhaul from Porsche engineers, and they increased the displacement, added a new oil pump, increased bearing sizes, and the list goes on. The head and block were to be provided by VW Audi, but the engineering was to be provided by Porsche. So well thought out were aspects of this power plant that the valve adjustment on the car was changed from shims used by Audi so that less skilled labor could more easily make adjustments. That sounds very Porsche-like to me, right down to the screws used in the 38mm tappets. Although Porsche rifled through the parts bucket from VW, they put a distinctive Porsche flair and an attention to detail on what they were directed to use. When it came down to the design of the body of the 924, Porsche looked to harm Guy to shape the car. Porsche wanted to stay away from more of the trends that would quickly become old news, and they wanted the car to be recognizable as a Porsche. According to Ed Peter, who was the export manager for Porsche, the philosophy behind it was to, quote, retain in a new model form some of the 356 and the 911, the roundness in the nose without an opening. We definitely wanted to stay away from the Italian lines. We never had a grill, so we had a big discussion about whether we should have a grill and decided that we should not, close quote. So Legai, who would ultimately be the designer for the Boxster, Carrera GT, and others, was given the task to design the 924. As development continued on the 924, internal company issues almost derailed the production of the car. The Vertrieb Gesellschaft, or VG, lost its VW participation and would become Porsche solely. The new head of VW wanted the 924 marketed as a Volkswagen, while Porsche wanted to retain the car for itself. Volkswagen felt like they bore the brunt of the financing of the project, and they deserved the rights to the car, and VW wanted a pure sports car. They felt like the 924 was it. Porsche obviously was disappointed, as they felt as though the successor to the 914 was taken right out of their hands. Help came from a very unlikely source, and that was the oil crisis in 1973. You see, there was essentially a boycott of sports cars, and so VW scrapped that idea of the 924 as they were already at work on the Golf and the Scirocco. So the car now was to become the successor to the Audi 100, and not Porsche. Again, the oil crisis came to the rescue, as Audi's new chief in 1975 said that, quote, I need this sports car like I need a hole in the head. Close quote. The only problem was that VW had to foot the bill for this development, and Porsche did not have the 120 million Deutschmarks to reimburse Volkswagen, but eventually a deal was struck that Porsche would take over the ownership, but VW would provide parts and sub-assemblies. Porsche also retained the right to quality check all of those parts and have final say on the 924. Yeah, so much for not being a real Porsche. The 924 and its bigger brother, the 928, were now given the green light. And unlike the 914, Porsche had the autonomy to make changes to the 924 without permission from VW. Essentially, according to Carl Ludvigsen, VW had become the subcontractor. One last caveat was that the 924 was to be produced in an Audi facility in Nekarsalem. Talk about a tangled, convoluted story. Audi, Volkswagen, Porsche 
all back and forth. But ultimately, the 924 ended up being a Porsche. In part two, in Breaking from the Past and the 924, we're going to be talking about what the customers and the press had to say about the car. Thanks for listening. Please share and tell your friends, family, and fellow Porsche lover. And I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting Porsche stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair with Porsche began. You can email us at stories at neversubstituted.com. Support our podcast by going to neversubstituted.com and check out our shop, links, and some very cool stuff, plus a preview of next week's show. Special thanks to Dennis Schrader Photography in Austin, Texas. You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at fastlanephotoworks.com. Also, much of the information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Lundvigsen. I'm Will Beach. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again soon.